This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. What's the plan for the weekend? Uh, mountain biking, just for a change. <laughs> <laughs> we mountain biking this weekend. We're having a... a, um, a Working bee at our local mountain bike park, and I'm going to be cooking sausages as per usual, which makes me very happy. How about you? Are you doing some riding? Uh, I'll be doing some riding on Saturday, but Sunday I'm the sausage queen. (laughs) And who are we introducing today? Uh, It is my great pleasure to introduce Hamish Darling. Um, Hamish, who um, probably doesn't remember me, but I remember him, and I've known him since he was a small child, because this is a tiny world we live in. Uh, Hamish is in Ireland uh, with his girlfriend, uh, doing some road cycling and um, some law and data science. So busy person, Hamish. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. So Hamish, we've been asking people how their bubble life is, and of course that's now gotten complicated, especially if you're in Ireland. But how's your bubble life been? (laughs) Bubble life has been really good, actually. Um, so I'm currently in in southern Ireland. I, I up until a couple of months ago, I was in uh, in Queenstown, but uh, my bubble life in southern Ireland is very different, uh, but very nice. Uh, it's it's a very small wee community we live in down here, so it's um yeah, it's very refreshing and, and lovely. So how were things in Queenstown? Uh, yeah, Queenstown was interesting. Um, I got I think I got it for a real grace period. We had a couple of years living in Queenstown while there weren't many tourists, and um, I, I'd say it was it was really nice for us as, as regular nine to fivers. Um, it's a t- been a tough time for the hospitality industry, obviously, but um, it was really nice to, to get the most of what Queenstown's got to offer, both on on the mountain biking tracks and on the skis and in town itself, uh, without too too many people around. Um, obviously, it's definitely uh, bursting back into life, which is good as well. And during lockdown itself, you are only able to get out very locally. But did getting out into the into the countryside, into the into the mountains, happen pretty soon as, after that? Yes, yes. As soon as um, as soon as the lockdowns were completed, I guess we call them, or, or at least they were eased. Uh, I took the moment as soon as I possibly could. I got into my kayak. Whitewater kayaking is is my main passion. Um, but uh, yeah, soon as soon as we were possibly allowed, we're in our in our kayaks and making the most of the rivers and the um, and drainages around Queenstown. But also a bit of cycling as well when when uh, when we couldn't be when we couldn't be in the kayaks. 
it was a little bit ambiguous for a while, but they they changed it to to tighten it to anything that you couldn't do anything you had to be rescued from. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, White Water New Zealand, who um, who I represent, um, were were involved in making those uh, making those decisions, which were which were tough uh, to, to 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 tell our community that actually no, you've got to hang the kayak up and, and let everything dry up for a few weeks until this is all over. But it was definitely the right choice in hindsight. What was the feeling like when you got back in the back behind the paddle? Is that how you describe it? When you got back paddling? Uh, yeah. Once the paddle was in the hands, I'd call it. But yeah, it was yeah fantastic. Yeah, really, really good. Um, it was a, a a real a real pleasure because you know when, you you miss what you 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 yeah um, we missed it sorely. <laughs> as soon as uh, as soon as we were not able to have it, you think, oh geez, I really do miss that. You know. Did you go straight back to to big water, or, or did you paddle yeah, around on a lake for a while to get used water. to it again? Oh, no, not so. Not not too keen on the flat water myself. I uh, yeah, big water kayaking is is something that's uh, a real passion of mine. Um, and actually, conveniently, the river between Queenstown and Cromwell, the Kawaro, is actually some of the best in the world. Really, um, it's got some phenomenal big water rapids. So as soon as we were allowed on there, uh, you would have found us down there uh, making the most of it. What drives that passion? Uh I think it's a mix of things. Uh, ever since I was a wee fella, I grew up out on Tago Peninsula, um, but really instilled in me a passion for the outdoors and getting outside as much as I can. And then at the same time, um, I yeah, there's just there's a there's a feeling that you get when you're on a, a truly wild river. Um, that yeah, I guess it just it just uh, makes you happy to your bones. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really cool to be to be. I, I, you know, it's, you definitely do feel small, um, but it's it's a pretty cool cool place to find yourself. And it's a pretty unique um, set of skills, and, and that that gets you into a place where very few other humans can go. So um, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of not sure not sure to describe the emotion, but it's a it's a really cool feeling when you get yourself on onto some of them rapids. And a big change from law and data science yeah i do spend a lot of the time behind the computer so um it is good to take every opportunity i get to to get outside too how does the combination of law and data science work uh so yeah i, I work for a company which is based out of auckland but it's all work from home as as many of us are nowadays um and we we do um data science work we we mostly look at understanding social commentary and discussions being had uh understanding sentiment of different brands and um and that and i work in the legal team within that company and and make sure that everything is within um both new zealand law and international law um which yeah it's, it's interesting definitely uh it's pretty niche i guess you could call it <laughs> um but yeah it's, it's definitely a really interesting field to work in because obviously data science is such a huge part of our world now um it's in everything uh so yeah it's, it's, it's cool to cool to be using my law degree in that sense and bec- perhaps because of the pandemic you're able to do that work from very remotely yeah well funny enough um we were working remotely um back in sort of beginning of 2019 we we moved to working remotely which is really good it meant we were um we were ahead of the ahead of the curve a wee bit there um so so that was cool and it meant that the the transition was um was was 
was easy uh, for for in terms of working from home. But uh, now I'm actually able to travel and work with um, and work on the go, which has been a real blessing. Um, so I'm currently in Ireland with my girlfriend and intending to tick off a few other um, trips and dreams of mine that I'd like to do um, over the next couple of years while, while this is possible. Are there wild rivers in Ireland? Uh, Ireland's a very flat country, uh, so it doesn't have the same drainages, doesn't have the same, um, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the geography's not quite right for, I guess, the true huge wild rivers that we have in New Zealand, um, but it's got some phenomenal cycle trails, so I make the most of those while I'm here, and uh, and I'm going to skip over to mainland Europe to do a bit more. Uh, wild river kayaking over there let's take the first of your music choices let's have big yellow taxi uh, the counting crows version why this oh, yeah. one um i yeah I, I i guess it kind of speaks to me i really like the the, the meaning behind it and it, it talks about um about i guess the the, the paradise in, in the natural world which um yeah i really appreciate Paradise and put up a fucking line with a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? It'd be a paradise and put up a fucking line. It took all the trees and put them in a tree museum. And charge the people a dollar and a half to see them No, 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 don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone You'd be in paradise and put up a fucking lie
So, paving paradise. Are the rivers under threat? Uh, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately so. Um, so, uh, speaking on behalf of Whitewater New Zealand today, but um, of notable threat at the moment, we've got a application for a reconsideration of concession, all legal terminology for the dam application, uh, to go into a, a very remote wild river in southern Westland, um, which is something that we are very passionate about. Um, but also in the wider um, picture, I guess you could talk about, um, there's also a big effort at the moment on the West Coast to reclassify a whole lot of uh, dock control, dock managed land, uh, public estate. And so what that might mean, uh, depending on what happens, um, is a whole lot, of, whole lot more areas opened up to potential damming and mining and farming and forestry, which would be a real shame because those are areas that we, we love to go and explore in our kayaks and um, also, you know, like many other outdoor pursuits, uh, a, lot, a lot of climbers and, and, and trampers and hunters and packrafters love those spaces too. So, yeah, it's, it's all happening at the moment. Is that river, is that the Waitaha? So yeah, so um, so to, to clarify, there's kind of two big things happening at the moment in terms of wild rivers. Uh, there's a west coast reclassification. Um, that is, the government's changing the classification of a lot of public estate. And secondly, there is um, the Whitehar Dam reconsideration. West Power is a um, is the local um, power generator. Uh, they they own a couple of dams over in the west coast um, and so they applied for a dam to be based on the Waitaha River uh, back in 2016 David Parker who was the Minister of the Environment spent three years deliberating on it and seen a lot of effort he, he flew into the valley he actually got his boots on the ground and, and stood where the, the hydro station would be and, uh, and he decided against it he, he denied the concession um, but West Power have asked for a re- or they've applied for a reconsideration of that decision that is asking the minister to to go back and do their homework again and do it again um so hence why is under threat uh, uh, do they have to have grounds for that asking for a reconsideration or uh, is it just please try again no it's a, it's, a, it's basically you just get another chance to roll the dice um which is which is strange uh and also it is strange that it's, um, you know, so this, it was 2019, the decision to um, to decline the concession, to decline the dam. Uh, and this is three years later, and they're, they're applying again. It's very unusual for a reconsideration to be done three years after the fact. Usually it's something that an applicant would do, you know, two or three weeks after the fact. Um, however, this case, and, um, and this, this is kind of why I was referencing that point earlier, there's a whole lot of land on the West Coast that's being reclassified. And so if this dam concession fails, which we really hope it does in Whitewater, New Zealand, um, it will become a lot harder in the future because this, um, a lot of that land is, is due to be protected under, under uh, I guess, a more strict um, form of, of conservation estate. There's different classes of conservation estate. Um, and so the Waitaha River, uh, and its surrounding forest is, is due has been recommended that it's, uh, the protection's improved, and um, if that protection's improved, it'll be impossible for them to get a uh, a dam put there. Uh, West Power still would like that dam, uh, and hence they have asked for reconsideration, albeit um, three years later. Hope that makes sense. Well, um, Hamish, 
Uh, it's the the rights when it comes to water and water use are, are really um, such a contentious issue at the moment, especially for Māori, where we we don't actually get a, um, as much say in what happens to the waterways as, as what we were guaranteed under the treaty. So what are your kind of feelings on that and what engagement have you had with Māori in this um, uh, in, in what you're trying to do at the moment to stop the dam from being put in place? Yeah. Um, so um, the White Heart Dam uh, is being done by, um, or the application is uh, a conjoint of Tarunanga o Naitahu and uh, West Power. Um, so it's a it's a it's a joint um, it's a joint application in that respect. Um, to speak to to your point uh, more specifically, you're right. It is very contentious, and there's a there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of arguments we could go into if this if this show, show was for a few hours. I guess we could go over some um, some of the background and the, the the disputes and the arguments and um, and the denials of rights to water and so on um, for, for local iwi and for and for Māori in general. Um, but yeah, but to, to to really sort of I guess um, speak to to the, the specific example. The, the Waitaha Dam is very contentious. Uh, it, 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 is, it branches over a few different iwi uh, um, have um, have different interests in that river and and have different stances on the dam itself. Mm. Uh, and we, as Whitewater New Zealand, are doing our best to um, communicate and have kōrero with um, local iwi uh, wherever and as much as possible. It's something that we're working hard to do is improve our relations with local iwi because um, they do have a, a, a very, very valid and very, um, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, the the, the, the Māori perspective of, of rivers and, and wild spaces in general is very valuable to us as a community. Um, but that, that being said, uh, we, we still don't believe that a, a hydroelectric dam is, is the right choice for this river. And so... Um, yeah, despite that, we 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 still oppose the the, the concept of, of um, this this sort of uh, this river destruction. I guess it was riverscape destruction. Um, but we do work closely with with a, a number of different iwi um, who are involved uh, on, on the coast specifically. What's the solution here? Because there's always a solution to every problem. So what's the solution? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean. I totally understand that the desire for for a dam or electricity generation in Westland, um, energy prices in Westland are more expensive than the rest of the country, uh, and, and there is little power generation done over there currently. Uh, we are on national grid, so in, in theory that should be mitigated um, by the fact that power from the east coast is transferred over to the east coast. Um, oh, sorry, west, yeah, east to the west, <laughs> um, but. That being said, uh, there there is definitely good cases for renewable energy, such as dams, solar, wind farms. Um, the the huge project at Lake Onslow is is very promising as a as a concept, and so we as Whitewater New Zealand support hydroelectricity in the right place. However, we don't believe that um, that. I guess we call Waidaha a very, very special river, both to our community and, and to the community at large. But um, we don't support free-flowing, wild, untouched, pristine parts of New Zealand 
to be destroyed like this. Um, we, we believe that, that rivers that, um, that flow, flow freely and wildly should stay as such as rivers which have got um, already existing issues. Uh, we, we, can, we can use those to, to uh, generate electricity if need be or, or, or the, the, the um, solar and, and, and wind as a good option. Um, I do know of, so this, uh, the dam, the Waitara Dam is a, a 20 megawatt facility. Uh, it's proposed to be a 20 megawatt facility, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a really a dribble of electricity in the grand scheme. It's about 1,200 homes, um, and it is in fast uh, in southern Eastland, which is a long way away from where the power is being used. Cont- uh, uh, concurrently, there is three applications for solar farms um, on the east coast in the Canterbury Plains, um, and each of those is over 100 megawatts. And that is very close to, to Hokitika, um and uh, obviously to, to the east coast as well. And so electricity generation there is very promising um, to, to, to solve the, the, the energy shortage, um, you know, in conjunction with the likes of the Onslow project. Uh, which, which would deem a, a 20 megawatt small facility uh, in the southern Westland um, uh, unneeded, I guess, or, or, or at least excessive for, for what we what we do need. Hamish, it takes um, it takes a special kind of person to take on a challenge like this, and you're obviously someone who has great great passion and motivation for change. Where did that come from in you? How did how did that grow? is a characteristic in who you are as a man? Um, well, I have to say, firstly, it's not me. Um, there's a big community. Uh, I represent about 4,000 people with Whiteboarding New Zealand, and, and we've got a board of, of people and a number of other um, a number of other uh, spokespeople as members who are all equally involved as I am. Uh, I'm just the fool who said he put his hand up and said, "Yeah, I can speak on behalf of on behalf of whitewater kayakers and, and paddlers in general." Um, but yeah, so we, uh, so yeah, I, I can't take the credit. It's a it's a team effort for sure. Um, in terms of personally, I've always been um, I've always been involved in uh, in I guess uh, I don't. Uh, been, been involved in a number of things like um, public speaking and, and debating type things when I was a kid and I guess I got a bit of a, a passion for, for speaking for the unheard um, in this case it's pretty hard for a river to be heard uh, unless you're kayaking into the gorge in which case it's deafening <laughs> um, but so I, I, I guess I guess I got a wee bit of a wee bit of from, from that just from um, from both my parents and from school and that but yeah, realistically, I I think it's um it's just you've got to drop into some of these gorges and just understand just how remarkable they are, and then you can't help yourself but want to protect them. Bubble sprite of the forest of Orakadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou, koutou I hope you're all having a great day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are. A triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here, making things better. 
Thank you. Now I know that for us all the last more than two and a half years have been so challenging and it's so important at this time to have compassion, to have care for ourselves and for each other, to do our best to listen and to be there for those around us, to look for the joy that surrounds us at all times, to find ways to experience and connect in this very fascinating time that we find ourselves in. And of course I'm so lucky to be part of the Orokunui Eco Sanctuary, my heart's home workplace, and this brings so many wonderful people into my life constantly. I'm very excited to have the beautiful Grants Bray School visit us today and we'll be thinking all about Pudako and storytelling. And for us as a species, of course, stories and the stories that we hold dear have informed our co-evolution with all life in an infinite web. Also very fortunate that Orokunui attracts so many passionate, beautiful, genius superstars. And I have one of them with me today, James Crofts Bennett. And I'm very lucky that Spider-Man, as he is so fondly known by us all, is joining us today. And I would love to have some more cordial with him. We are thinking about rivers and the flow of life, the flow of our consciousness, the flow of ideas. And of course, spiders are an integral part to all of this. Kia ora, James. Howdy, howdy. You know, we've, um, we've had a good flow of spiders over the last few years. Uh, spiders like to ebb and flow based on how cold it is. And it might be a little cold at the moment, but it, it's not as cold as it used to get. <laughs> I was walking down the hill this morning thinking, oh, I'm glad I'm not sliding on ice like usual. <laughs> but it hasn't been cold enough to be icy like it used to be. Uh, and the spiders have noticed that because they've stopped dying off during the winter like they normally do. <laughs> It's great for me because it means there's a constant flow of spiders coming into my room. Uh, not so much for my flatmates. <laughs> yeah, I had a beautiful spider in my bath this morning and I thought of you and I thought, why is this beautiful spider coming to visit me? Well, when it comes to baths, it's almost, especially this time of the year, it's typically male spiders who are out wandering looking for females. We've all been there, they <laughs> Well, spiders are very, uh, they're very sessile by nature. Uh, they don't like to move around a lot. Uh, they usually find, like humans, they find a house and they sort of stick around in that one spot. Uh, unfortunately, when it comes time to reproduce and carry on the species, uh, eventually a male and a female spider are going to have to meet at some point, and the females are not out wandering because they're ready, getting ready to brood. So they're setting up a nice nest where they're going to have their egg sac. So the male typically has to go out and find the female. And uh, they do a bunch of different ways. As spiders wander around, they leave silk behind, and that silk typically has their smell on it. And that's some way that spiders can communicate to each other where they are. Uh, other spiders are very visual, like jumping spiders and wolf spiders. They can visually identify where the female is, or another male. And once they find each other, they can communicate with sign language and dancing. And uh, there are also some pitfalls to wandering about, especially when most spiders are, for the most part, blind. Uh, they end up wandering into situations like bathtubs. <laughs> it's very difficult to escape. Uh, it's quite slippery, uh, often quite humid. Humidity also attracts spiders. Uh, males find humid spots and they think, a humid spot's not well ventilated. That means there must be good spaces to hide if you're a female spider. 
So he thinks, I've got to be in the right spot now. And he wanders into the bathtub and goes, oh, there's nothing here and now I can't get out. Oh. <laughs> yes, well, they picked him up, you know, with the assistance of a face cloth and managed to deposit him on onto the sink area. So I felt that, you know, I'd done a, a good deed by spiders. So in terms of um, our native spiders, James, you've been doing a lot of research on them. And how's all that going? Oh, it's going pretty good, to be honest. Uh, like, we talk about a lot about global climate change as scientists. Uh, we find that if we say it a lot, we get a lot of money <laughs> given to us for grants. <laughs> and if we put it in our, in our uh, abstracts, we uh, typically get published. Uh, and, I mean, change is scary because it means things will change for other species alongside us mm. and we feel a little bit guilty because there is some anthropogenic impacts on climate change uh, if you're feeling particularly guilty I'd like to remind you as a human <laughs> that you you are part of nature and a force of nature so don't feel too bad for your individual contributions <laughs> also I, I feel a little biased because unlike a lot of species we're worried about uh, spiders seem to be getting a good deal out of climate change oh good <laughs> uh, some places are getting warmer, such as New Zealand it appears to be, and they get more humid, uh, a lot more rain turns up, uh, that's predicted for North America, and it seems to be predicted for New Zealand as well, uh, and when it gets warm and wet, spider populations explode, and uh, as we've already seen over the last couple of years, when it gets a bit warmer, the spiders live longer, uh, and if they live longer, we get more reproductive cycles going on, and more reproductive cycles means more spiders. Uh, <laughs> Which is great for me. <laughs> Not so much for the rest of Dunedin, from what I've heard. Uh, we're so lucky to have you here, and I'm really grateful for the time that you've shared with us today. Thank you. You give us all such hope with your enthusiasm and your passion for the living world. Thank you, James. And kia ora to you all. Thank you so much for having me as part of this show, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Ka kite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Hamish Darling. Hamish, you're talking about the the, the Waitaha, but I'm mm-hmm. quite sure that there must be threats on on other rivers. Or is it a sort of a, a death of a thousand cuts? Is it if we don't do stuff, eventually we'll run out? Because there must be a feeling that, oh, there's lots of other rivers. Uh, in, in what in what context do you think there must be a lot of other rivers? <laughs> I mean, well, I'm, 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 I'm just I'm just thinking that the people that are proposing it must be looking at what you're saying mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, there's that that river and there's this river. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so Whitewater New Zealand uh, in particular don't don't stand behind um, every river and say that they shouldn't be dammed. Uh, we we do agree that renewable energy is essential. Um, however, that dams can be put in sensible places um, and so what we say about the Waitaha in particular is that it is it is truly remarkable um, the gorge is absolutely stunning uh, I implore anybody to go and look up some photos and videos of, of the Waitaha Gorge um, but there are you know New Zealand's very special and we're very lucky because we have got so many free-flowing and wild rivers we also have rivers which have um, have been degraded over time and we have got um, rivers which are, <laughs> are subject to a number of other dams already and I think of the Teviot River which flows out of Lake Onslow um, which has got I think it's got four on it currently maybe maybe five um, and so rivers like that are already so um, 
so, what's the word, uh, impacted. It would be pretty hard for them to come back without without destroying those dams. Um, and so in improving electricity generation on rivers like that and, and the Lake Onslow project in general, the idea of pumped hydro up to the high, up to the Onslow dam is just a much more sensible place to be uh, investing in hydropower, I guess. That's the question. It does. So... What is Whitewater New Zealand doing about um, trying to encourage the outcome that it wants? Yeah, we're doing a number of things, um, but Whitewater New Zealand's working really hard to to bring. So I I, I guess that the the big biggest job we have is to explain to people just how beautiful these gorges are as the very small community um, who actually gets to go into the gorges and see just how beautiful it is we kind of have taken on a wrong role of kaitiaki and the fact that it is our, it's now our responsibility to take that to other New Zealanders who don't necessarily paddle, <laughs> ideally convince them that paddling is a, is a brilliant pastime and they should get involved. It's a it's a wonderful way to spend your days. Um, but if not, showing them a, and taking taking these gorges to people um, outside of the paddling community, that's kind of got to be our first job. And so we're doing that really. We're working really hard with the Waiaha to to really um, to, to to spread the story, spread the love, um, and then. As well as that, we're working with ministers, uh, Naitahu, West Power, um, having open discussions about hydroelectricity and renewable generation, energy generation in particular, but also more specifically about the Waitaha River and taking people into the Waitaha River, showing them just how stunning it is, just how beautiful of a, um, of a place that that gorge is. And explaining what, what a shame it would be to lose that to hydroelectricity when we've got much more appropriate places for it elsewhere. And the the reclassification that's going on is that that's a, a separate thing. But it's would, would 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 that if it was if it had come earlier would that have solved the problem? Yes. Well, yes and no. The the reclassification um, is absolutely related. Um, so what's happened with the reclassification, to give you a quick rundown, is basically back in the 80s, stock got given a third of the country um, under the Conservation Act. Um, and at the time, it wasn't possible or practical to, to consider the conservation values of the public estate. And so it got lumped in this category called stewardship land. Uh, stewardship land doesn't have any real protection at all. It can be farmed, it can be mined, it can be dammed, it can be turned into forests, or it can be left alone, which is what most what, what happened to most of it. Uh, and on the West Coast, there's a huge area of stewardship land still. What's that, 30 or 40 years later? So um, the minister advised Doc to, to, to get moving, and they set up a number of panels and, and worked hard to, to get um, uh, accurate conservation um, values assessments done of the land. And they, they, what they've chosen to do is reclassify um, a large area of land that's 644,000 hectares. That's three Stuart Islands, um, to give you perspective of just how much land we're talking. Um, and in that sits the Waitaha. The Waitaha um, would be, under the, the recommendations they have, upgraded to Conservation Park instead of stewardship land. Now, Conservation Park has to be held, is legally required that it's held for um, conservation purposes and required that it's um, maintained. And conservation purposes include biodiversity, uh, um, includes protection of recreation interests, uh, protection of historic interests, protection of um, local iwi interests as well. Um, so uh, that protection 
although it doesn't necessarily preclude dams, you can still apply for it. It is much, much harder to have a, have a um, dam application or dam concession granted in that area. So as such, if this process had happened a year earlier, uh, we wouldn't be in this trouble. Um, but uh, uh, just, uh, just we, we're rolling with the punches and we're working with what we've got. And so we're both responding to the, um, the public consultation about the land reclassification um, and working really hard to, to understand local perspectives on that and, and submit it and help provide the government with our um, perspectives. At the same time, we're also fighting this specific proposal um, to, to, to build a hydroelectricity plant on the Wairaha. I've forgotten who we had on the show that said this, but somebody did. That the 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 battle, if you like, between let's call it conservation and development. Development will always win because every time somebody blinks, the decision gets overturned and a thing gets built. Then conservation loses, but it can't it can't happen the other way. So so yeah. if we if you manage yeah. to if you manage to stop it this time somebody might come back and reapply in three years time or in, in six years time it, yeah, what do we need to do right. to change it's that so, cycle the, um so the denial of of this um of this application will be really helpful in the short term but you're right the long-term solution is for this land that the river sits in um to be upgraded in it so so that it's no longer under stewardship land. If it was to be upgraded to conservation park, it'd be good. If it was upgraded to ecological area, these are just different classifications of conservation land. Um, uh, if it was under ecological area, it would be protected um, permanently, right, from, from dam application. So so we, we have to work hard to convince the government to plead our story that these rivers are well worth protecting, um, specifically the Wairaha. And, um, and and so this this reclassification of land op- presents a real opportunity to to at least draw the line in the sand and say right this is this area is too valuable in itself um, to, to to be developing and let's leave it in its wild state which is truly phenomenal. What's the forest? Oh, the forest area. So I'm, I'm I, I generally talk about the the catchments um, because as a, a kayaker, that's, a, that's kind of <laughs> how we think. We think where's this water coming from? Um, but yeah, so so generally everything south of the Whitcomb River, which flows into the Hokitika River, um, everything south of that is being proposed to turn into conservation park and a big catchment within that area. Uh, oh, sorry, that that travels down kind of as far as the land uh, as the um, Hearth River. Uh, not the uh, Hearth River. Oh gosh, now's a bad time to forget, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a number of river valleys in that area, but specifically the Wairaha flows um, in just uh, well, Wairaha is a township as itself, but not too far from Franz Joseph. Um, to, to, to if you if you're thinking on the map. Yeah, I think it's in the. I think it's probably. Is it, I think it's probably Podocar, but it's probably in the beach gap, which increases oh, yeah, the, the status of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's um, and it's, and it's classic West Coast country, right? It's really rugged terrain, really thick, up forest. Um, so yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, um yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> understand your question now. <laughs> so you've got all the kayakers out there sharing, sharing pictures because you're right that not many of us get to go go in there what can the rest of us do um well 
I think that the the absolute best thing that the everyday New Zealander can do is they can spend thirty seconds of their time and look at, and look at um, at these valleys and, and actually see what we're talking about. I really think a picture or um, a video of the valley will will say a thousand words on this and encourage your friends and family to do the same. And if we generally as a population all understand and um, and know what we're talking about when we talk about the Waitaha Hydro uh, project we'll understand that it's a, it's a really valuable and, and truly incredible wild space that's well worth protecting. Um, so it's just generally raising the profile of these gorges and, and, taking, um, and taking it to, to everybody who doesn't get the pleasure of actually kayaking through them. So yeah, just sharing it is, is that, is the, is the, in the short. <laughs> Share the message. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Stevie Wonder, Superstition. Why this one? Um, so that, this is a classic one that I, lo- I love to listen to, um, or, or, or reminds me of times that um, I'm in a, a van load of, with a van load of kayakers, and we're off to go kayaking for for the weekend, and there will be a classic one to put on early in the road trip um, to wherever we're going.
Hamish, we have seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? <laughs> uh, um, I think, uh, sort of to digress a wee bit from what we were talking about, but uh, what's absolutely key is is protection, or in my mind, protection of wild spaces and the environment is very, very important. Um, however, people don't protect something until they have been to it, experienced it, understood it. And so what's been really nice about this whole COVID process, which we've all been through, is that people have actually taken time to, to go for local walks, experience their local environment, even though often it's just down the local beach or, or you know, it's the closest walking track you've got. But I, I really hope that people continue to take um, a wee bit of time to experiencing their local environment. And, and I think if we do that, we'll all look out for it a bit more, which would be a really, really nice bonus. Do you think that there are there are any lessons that we can take from the pandemic and our response to the pandemic for the bigger sorts of questions that we face as a society? I'm thinking of things like climate change and social justice. Um, I think it's just the... Well, for me... Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, it seemed massive, right? It was a huge problem that was facing the world. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and we got together as a community, worked out what we were going to do, and we did something. We we, we did really well. As, as a community, especially in New Zealand, you know, we, we, we did beat COVID for a very long time, and now we're living with it in a way which is, um, which is very, um, I, I guess, well-managed. Um, and so... If, if you take a, a likeness to, to like say climate change or, or the next big issue um, that we face as, uh, as, a, as a country, which yeah, climate change definitely jumped out, but there's definitely also some, some economic and poverty-based challenges we need to be thinking about as well, um, equality-based issues. We need to do the exact same thing. We need to come together, work out what we're going to do about it, and do it together. And that, it's a really cool lesson that we, we've learned from the pandemic and I really hope we, we, we take to all these other issues that, that we are, are facing nowadays. And it showed that having the conviction to do something means we can do it. So there are things Hopefully. like with you're facing a, somebody wanting to build a dam, actually we can do it. We can, we can, we can totally. do things from this. Exactly, exactly. It is achievable if we work together. And if everybody's in the loop and we um, talk about it to everybody and we share it, you know, all, uh, all that stuff. As long as we do stuff together, we, we, we can totally achieve it, right? Um, whether, whether it be a, a river uh, based on a riverscape or whether it be something else. I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle. What is the biggest okay. success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, for me personally, um, I have kayaked the Nevis Bluff Rapid, right? That was uh, huge. And the next one that I really want to kayak is the Morgan Gorge, uh, which is a section of the Waterhut River. I presume that's not an easy thing to kayak. It would be, it's the Mount Cook of Rivers. Um, it's definitely one of the hardest, if not the hardest, probably the hardest run, recently run uh, Whitewater River in New Zealand for sure. It's a real pinnacle. It's a real aspiration. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What got you into the mansion? Uh, I think it's being able to talk to others, um, communication, something along those lines, being able to, um, yeah, something, something like that. 
Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No, no, no. I'm, I just consider myself a passionate lover of rivers. So what gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, a strong coffee. Very strong coffee. <laughs> and what is the biggest challenge that you're looking forward to in the next year or two? Um, I think it's going to be a positive outcome working with local UE government and recreation groups on the West Coast and locals as well um, to, to improve the conservation outcomes and recreation outcomes and, and the, the treaty relations um, on, on the West Coast. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, no. <laughs> well, the one thing that I would love people to do is to pick up a paddle and go kayaking uh, or, or, or pick rafting or rafting or whatever flavour you like. But, um, yeah, getting, getting amongst the river is a, is a really special experience and, and well, well worth giving it a go if you haven't already. Thank you for that. Mawera. We're a canoeing family, and uh, so I second that. There's nothing more awesome than being on the river and, yeah, just fresh air, the sound of water over rocks, that smell that nothing else smells like. I love the smell of the river. Hamish, uh, there needs to be more people who are willing to make a stand and to lead the charge, and I just want to say thank you uh, for the work that you're doing um, and for the courage of your convictions, uh, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. It's very kind words. Thank you very much for joining us, Hamish. You're very welcome, Kakipe.
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Red Hot Chili Peppers, Naked in the Rain. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Moira Karatai in Fakatani, and we've been joined from Southern Ireland, but talking about wild rivers in New Zealand, by Hamish Darling. That was Blowing Rubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Matiwa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air.